Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for midweek news and notes. And so for that, we bring in our friend who covers the Jets for AM New York, Mr. Nick Faria. Nick, what's going on, man? Busy day as always, Scott, especially now in the last few minutes. Great to, great to be on. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. When we figured out what time we were going to record, we had no idea that there was going to be breaking news. And that breaking news is that Michael Carter, the running back, of course, not the cornerback, has been released. It would be kind of crazy if they released the cornerback who's been one of the best slot corners in the league and who's on a fifth round rookie contract. I can't imagine why anybody would do that. But as far as Michael Carter, the running back, he was released. He was picked in 2021 in the fourth round. Everybody thought the Jets got a bargain. Most thought he would go in the third round. The Jets didn't have a third round pick. If you'll recall, they had moved up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. And so they were waiting for a running back, thought it might be Kenny Gainwell, but it ended up being Michael Carter. And he was the exact kind of running back they were looking for. Somebody that had a bit of explosion, smaller guy. And so in 2022, I and a bunch of others had said the Jets needed a real three down back, help take the pressure off Zach Wilson and let Michael Carter be what he really is, a change of pace back. Of course, he went out and got Brees Hall in the second round. Brees Hall's been outstanding for the most part. Michael Carter, though, unfortunately, took a big step back last year. He was hurt, did okay in the preseason. They ended up picking him over Bam Knight. And now he's the one that gets the axe. We're going to get into what Robert Salas said about offensive changes a little bit later because this sort of fits what's happening along those lines. But now we'll see Israel Abanacanda, the fifth-round pick out of Pittsburgh, who hasn't been able to get on the field at all this year. But now I have a feeling he will. He'll take Michael Carter's spot. We'll get into some of the other changes a little bit later, Nick, as far as what Robert Salas could have meant when he said there's going to be offensive changes, not just when it comes to personnel, but also the way that they do things on the offense. 
But I think what this tells you is, and you and I were talking about this before we started recording, the Jets are going to be targeting Brees Hall a lot more in the passing game. You'll see Dalvin Cook on the field more. You'll see Hall and Cook together. And Israel Abanacanda will get his shot at some point. An explosive guy, 5'11", 220 pounds, runs a 4'4", He's not the best when it comes to being a receiver. He's certainly not on the level of a guy like Brees Hall, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And obviously, once he has the ball in his hands, he can go. He saw some of those flashy spin moves when we saw him in the preseason games. But now you'll get to see him in real games. I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries or a ton of touches, maybe a few per game. But it's a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, it just wasn't working out with Michael Carter. They were trying to use him as that third down back. And anytime he touched the ball, he just wasn't able to do anything with it. And in fact, as a receiver, he had stone hands. The ball was just bouncing off of his hands. Now the Jets have chosen to move off of a guy they invested a fourth round pick in a couple of years ago and go with a younger back who's bigger, stronger, and faster. Now we'll see if these changes mean that the backfield becomes more effective because they have had trouble running the ball for the most part. I think, as we said, They are going to give the running backs some more touches in the passing game as well because they have no choice at this point if they want to get the ball in their best player, Brees Hall's hands. Nick, I suppose it's not a shocking move. It did catch me a little bit off guard, but unfortunately it just wasn't working out with Michael Carter and sometimes you got to cut your losses. Seems like a really good kid and I hope he catches on somewhere else and does well. As they say in WWE, best of luck in your future endeavors. But now we move on with Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and Israel Abanacanda in the spot of Michael Carter. Yeah, you know, and obviously you kind of mentioned already, Scott, but I think the first impact uh, is obviously going to be for this young rookie in Abanacanda. Um, really explosive player, looks really good on special teams, um, and, and also obviously at Pitt uh, on all different phases of the offense. Um, so I think he alone is going to offer a unique experience that the Jets should be looking forward to going into the later part of the season. Um, the other piece to it, again, as you mentioned, is getting Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook on the field at the same time. We saw a little bit of it in week one, I think, with Aaron Rodgers as a part of that game plan. And they sort of deviated away from it to sort of simplify the offense with Zach Wilson. I think that's gone out the window now. I think uh, Hall and, and Cook are going to be on the field a lot together. I think Hall's um, usage in the passing game is going to be used a lot more. It was teased a little bit in the loss to Las Vegas. So I think that's something that they could definitely uh, look forward to using uh, going into this next stretch of the year, uh, which is going to be make or break for this team. And this offense needed to make uh, some changes uh, solid tease that he wasn't going to change the quarterback or the play caller. Um, but it looks like now that some of these changes are in place. I kind of predicted um, that Carter would at least be inactive, uh, a healthy scratch for the rest of the way while they saw what they had in a Bonaconda. Uh, but I didn't think he was going to get released. This is definitely a surprise. Uh, Carter was a, a strong presence in that locker room, was a little bit vocal sometimes uh, over the last couple of years about his lack of touches, was openly against the team signing James Robinson last year. Uh, but ultimately, I think this was a move that the Jets clearly were trying to send a message to the rest of this offense uh, in knowing that what they were doing so far this year was unacceptable and things needed to change. That was the first domino to drop. Let's talk about some of the other dominoes that may drop next. As you said, Robert Sala, the big news coming out of the Monday presser was that the Jets will not change the quarterback and they will not change the play caller, but they are looking at different changes they can make schematically, different changes they can make philosophically, and personnel changes. 
the Michael Carter move, and I assume the subsequent activation of Israel Abanakanda will be the first move. After that, we're going to see what that means. I would assume CJ Ozama probably goes to the bench. He should have gone to the bench immediately after those penalties against the Raiders on Sunday night. Unfortunately, he stayed in the game. But now it's time for the Jets to let Jeremy Ruckert do more. I think it would be wise if they let Jason Brownlee play a little bit, maybe de-emphasize Alan Lazard. Nick, before we start recording, you said you think that these lingering injuries with Lazard may be taking a toll. In fairness, he was bad before his name started ending up on the injury report. And I think for the most part, he's been revealed to be a complete product of Aaron Rodgers. That chemistry between Rodgers and Lazard is really the only thing that you can hang your hat on and hope for for next season, because otherwise you're looking at it as $12 million against the cap on a player who hasn't even been to the level of a wide receiver five this year, if we're being honest. 20% drop rate is just absolutely inexcusable. But I think those are the moves that you can realistically make on the offensive line. I don't really know what you can do. People have talked about benching Lake and Tomlinson, but who are you benching him for? They don't have anybody else. There's been so many injuries that nobody can really be benched at this point. They'll have moves that they need to make in the offseason on the offensive line, and some of them are obvious, some of them not as obvious, and we can get into that down the line. But I don't think they can really make that many changes on the offensive line. I think the big ones are Ruckert playing more, Ozama not playing, Lazard playing less, Brownlee getting a chance, more of Xavier Gibson, and of course, as we said, Abanacanda over Michael Carter. I think also strategy-wise, you mentioned it before, Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall will be on the field more. I think they're going to target Brees Hall more in the passing game. Those are certainly changes that they can make. I think they might try a little more razzle-dazzle with Xavier Gibson. And as you said to me earlier, Nick, I think they absolutely have to realize that at this point, at 4-5 and and in desperation mode, because we know how tough the AFC is right now. There are so many teams in the mix for playoffs. The Jets are a couple of games back. Honestly, their best chance right now would be to go on a mini run and steal the division somehow. And we'll talk about how that could possibly happen. I know it seems far-fetched, but it's not as crazy as you think. Bear with us. But if they're going to do that, they're going to have to let Zach Wilson be Zach Wilson a little bit more. I would argue that he played fairly well against the Raiders other than that one bad interception at the end. But they've got to let him be a little more creative play outside of structure more. They've got to let him take some shots downfield. Even if it's only a few a game, they've got to find ways to keep the opposing defenses honest as opposed to having such a tight leash on him and playing it so conservative. You know, it's very interesting because there's a lot of different avenues they can go to make these changes on offense. And again, Salah made it very clear, Hackett, Wilson, they were safe in their particular roles and, you know, for good reason. At some point, we have to be objective when judging the quarterback and the play caller. The team and the group were in a position to succeed. Zach Wilson was put in a position to succeed for most of that contest against the Raiders. The big problem was the fact that there were so many mindless penalties that happened uh, that really put the team in unadvantageous situations. You know, uh, we, we talk about that first that first and goal situation where Brees Hall scores a touchdown and C.J. Uzama, for some reason, is tackling Max Crosby. Or the end around to, I believe it was Xavier Gibson, uh, that netted a first down on the on the opening drive of the second drive of the game 
and it was completely wiped away by another Uzama penalty. So uh, the penalties are the big problem right now with this offense. The play calls are there. I think you have to be encouraged with what you saw with Zach Wilson, albeit after and before uh, the the interception uh, that seemingly ended the game against the Raiders. Um, there's a lot to take away and say, okay, the offense seems to be playing a lot better. Um but there's things that have to be changed, fundamental things that need to be fixed. And I think Uzama for Ruckert is probably another one. You mentioned Brownlee. Um, I talked already about Cook and Hall being on the field at the same time. There's a lot of different smaller parts to this uh, that I think are going to improve the team as a whole. They get Dwayne Brown back eventually. They're going to get him soon. Uh, and I think that's going to solidify the tackle position a little bit, solidify the guard position as well, because uh, you can move Max Mitchell inside. You can have Makai and, and Brown on, on the tackles, uh, and that can really help the offensive line as a whole. There's reasons to be optimistic for a potential late-season playoff run. Um, but again, it all comes down to how they execute. You know, one game, Zach Wilson looks competent and the offense looks good. They just need to get rid of the penalties. The next game, the offense can't get out of its own way and the quarterback is not throwing the ball. The quarterback's not running. I think a fundamental change that we could see from this offense is letting Zach Wilson play a little more free. You know, he's a guy that can run with the football. He's a very athletic player. And if the Jets allow him to run and not overly think about what he needs to do, and not pushing the ball down the field uh, in risky situations, I think you can potentially get a pretty solid quarterback here. Not saying that he's going to win you a playoff game or anything, but he can at least put you in a position if you just give him the opportunity to produce and at least just sling the ball. If you're going to go down, you're going to lose a game, you're going to lose your starting job, you want it to be based on an aggressive mindset. You don't want it to be being overly cautious. And I think that's where the Jets have Zach Wilson stuck a little bit in that balance of, okay, we want you to be aggressive, but not too aggressive. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Nick, I will agree with you on Zach Wilson. I don't think there's any reason to replace him. I know that the Jets have had struggle scoring, but I think for the most part, if you look at Wilson's performance, and again, this has to be emphasized as a backup quarterback. We're not talking about him as the number two overall pick. We all understand that the odds of Zach Wilson being the long-term answer here are very slim. But as far as their current possible solutions, I think when Robert Salas says his upside is by far the highest, there's no doubt about that. You know that Zach Wilson can at least make some great plays. You saw it in that Raiders game. There were some of those throws that were absolutely out of this world. The consistency has always been the issue. The turnovers has been the issue. Responding to pressure has been the issue. But again, if you watch that Raiders game and came away from it thinking that Zach Wilson is the problem, I'll put it this way. Willie Colon on SNY during the post game, who has been the biggest Zach Wilson hater since pretty much the day they drafted him. Even he said Zach Wilson was okay. So that tells you all you need to know. It was the penalties in that game. And when it comes to Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, let's be real about this. There is no other option. I thought this was interesting too, Nick. There was a writer for the Jet Press. His name is David, and I wish I could remember his last name. It starts with an R. David, I'm sorry. I want to give you full credit on this one. He compared the PFF grades and all the metrics between Josh Dobbs and Zach Wilson this past Sunday, and they graded out almost exactly the same. Now, obviously, Dobbs got Minnesota in the end zone, and that's the major difference. But I think what that tells you is all the people that think – that Josh Dobbs or somebody like that would have been a savior. 
I'm not so sure that Josh Dobbs is able to dig out of these holes that Wilson was put in third and 18, third and 19 over and over again. And that's been a persistent pattern, all the drops, all the other things going around with Zach Wilson. So even if we say that the Jets should have gotten Dobbs, and I do think they should have, if nothing else, as an insurance policy with Wilson because of the injuries he sustained. And of course, if you want a real option in case you decide you want to go away from Wilson, that's fine. But that ship sailed And as far as who they have now, it's Simeon and Boyle. And there's absolutely no way you're going to convince me that either one of those two is going to move the needle at all. If you want to argue to bench Zach Wilson just to try something different, fine. But after watching this Raiders game, I have no idea how you would come to the conclusion that that game was his fault. As far as the play calling, that I'll disagree with you on, Nick, because I think they absolutely should replace Nathaniel Hackett. He's been terrible. You could point to numerous instances of play calls in that game that made no sense. The obvious one, the third and two, when everybody in the stadium knew that Brees Hall was getting the ball. You knew how the Raiders were lined up and they went and ran it right into the middle of that line and he went nowhere. You could also talk about the fact that Garrett Wilson was nursing an arm injury and they had him go out there and throw a pass, which made no sense. And there are tons of instances of this throughout the season. They also have been afraid to let Zach Wilson do anything, which I understand to an extent. But as we know, you're not going to win games scoring 12 points. So I think they should replace Hackett. We all know why they're not going to. And a big part of the reason why they're not going to is because of who Nathaniel Hackett is very close to. And that, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. And Nick, boy, did Aaron Rodgers stir the pot during his weekly spot on the Pat McAfee show this week when he said that he plans to be with the team full-time around Thanksgiving, two weeks from now. Now, of course, a lot of people reading into that. Oh, my gosh, Aaron Rodgers is going to start practicing. Oh, my gosh, he didn't really tear his Achilles. Oh, my gosh, he's actually going to come back at the end of the season. Listen, I've been very clear on this. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. But if he comes back, it's going to be at the very, very end of the season. He's not going to start practicing at Thanksgiving. He just means he's going to be around the team full time. Nick, talk a little bit about this because it was a shocking statement. I think people took a little too much out of it, but it is interesting that Rodgers is already planning to be around the team full time, not just at the games on game day, but actually be at the practices, lending support to Zach Wilson, lending support to the offense, trying to help his friend Nathaniel Hackett get this on track. And I will say that for everybody that said that Aaron Rodgers was a bad teammate in Green Bay, And maybe to some he was. So far, I think he's been exemplary as a teammate for the Jets. And this is another illustration of that. When we talk about Aaron Rodgers, it's very interesting because obviously, like you said, he came with a lot of baggage coming from Green Bay of being a bad teammate, of being a selfish teammate or everything else. And you're obviously and you're absolutely right. You're seeing a completely different player. And you kind of heard that he was a completely different player from some of the guys that came from Green Bay, the Randall Cobbs, the Alan Lazards of the world, who've said that he just seems a lot happier as a player this year. He just seems like he's having more fun with the Jets than he's had in recent uh, memory. So I think all of that comes into account. And, you know, it's interesting that you talk about Nathaniel Hackett, Scott, because uh, because Rogers also mentioned uh, on that particular play call that third and two where everyone knew that Brees Hall was getting the ball on a run he mentioned that when you look at the tape the the run call was there the unfortunate part was it wasn't blocked correctly and if the block was done correctly where they blocked upfield instead of more in a zone like system 
Hall's going to pick up that first down. So it's interesting to see that because, again, a play call can be made, and it's the best play call on the planet, and it just doesn't work out. I think a, a clear example of that was the the Garrett Wilson throw down Lazard where the look is there, uh, and maybe Garrett wasn't, you know, healthy enough to make that throw. That remains to be seen, and, and Salah kind of, you know, kind of glossed over it on Monday when we asked him about it. But if Wilson completes that throw to Lazard, that's an unbelievable play call by Nathaniel Hackett because Lazard's open down the field and could have scored a touchdown um, had Quite frankly, I think Garrett waited maybe a second or a half second more to allow Lazar to get upfield a little more. So play calling always, you know, you flip a coin on that. Things certainly change throughout the game. Execution, of course, matters when we talk about a play caller. Um, but the thing that I looked at with Aaron Rodgers, and and it was kind of teased with Melissa Starks on Sunday night saying that uh, he expects to be on the field by mid-December. He didn't really deny that today. Um, he kind of just said, listen, we want to stay in it. I believe the team is going to stay in it to allow me to get back on the field. Um, but it's always going to change and based on the rehab. If he has a good couple weeks of rehab, he's going to be further ahead and further along in his recovery. If he's not and he has a couple bad weeks, then I think the timeline gets pushed. I think we're at the stage now, at least of the regular season, where I think it's clear that he wants to come back this year. I think it's clear that the Jets are waiting to see if the doctors will clear him to get to that point. Uh, but more importantly, it's all going to come down to his rehab. Uh, he's clearly ahead of everything right now. Uh, but if he has a slip up, that can obviously change some things. So uh, a lot of good positive takeaways from, from Rogers today on McAfee, uh, least of which is the fact that he b- certainly believes uh, that the offensive struggles are more than just Zach Wilson, you know, missing a throw here and there or, uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett calling a bad play, you know, play in, in clutch moments. Um, there's certainly a lot of things that go into it uh, without, you know, just blaming the two guys that are the easiest to blame. Nick, what's interesting here is obviously Aaron Rodgers is only going to come back if he comes back at all, if the Jets have a chance to go somewhere. And I was looking at this and we talked about how complicated the playoff picture is. I don't see them getting a wild card at this point. It would be such an uphill battle with all of these teams in the AFC a couple of games ahead of them. But they do have an opportunity in the division unexpectedly, thanks, of course, to their old friend Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos who knocked off the Bills in Buffalo on Monday Night Football. All of a sudden now the Bills are 5-5. Five and five. Now the Dolphins are 6-3 and three coming off of their bye, but – I want to read you the remaining schedules for these two teams. The Dolphins and Bills have a very tough schedule the rest of the way. The Dolphins are playing the Raiders, who are 2-0 and right now under new coach Antonio Pierce. Then they come to the Jets on Black Friday. If the Jets can steal that one and steal the Buffalo game coming up at Orchard Park this week, all of a sudden the conversation is very different. Now, obviously, they should have made the offensive changes they made a long time ago, but Will these changes help them find a way to score enough points to get by a Buffalo team that has struggled against them the last two years and a Miami team that they split with last year, despite having arguably the worst quarterback situation in the league? Looking at the rest of the Dolphins and Bills schedule, though, after the Black Friday game against the Jets, they've got a Washington Commanders team that's pretty frisky right now. Tennessee, not very good. The Washington game's on the road, by the way. Then they 
play the Jets again. That one's in Miami. And then they finish the season with three very tough games. They're playing the Cowboys on Christmas Eve at the Baltimore Ravens on New Year's Eve. And then they finish it off with the Buffalo Bills. You take a look at the Bills schedule, and we just talked about how the Jets are next up for them. And that'll be going on as a 425 game this coming Sunday in Buffalo. But then they go to Philly. After that, they go to Kansas City. Then they play the Cowboys. Then they play the Chargers. Then they play the Patriots. And then they finish off the season against the Dolphins. Other than that Patriot game, all of those teams are pretty tough. And the Bills are going to be in for the fight of their lives, as will the Dolphins. So the Jets can somehow get this on track enough to win those two games that are coming up. Because I think, Nick, we both agree. They've got to win those two games against the Bills and Dolphins coming up to really have any kind of chance going forward the rest of the way. If they can find a way to do that, they put themselves right back in the conversation, which is wild. And then if they can stay in that conversation till the end of the year, maybe that carrot at the end of the stick ends up being Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers comes back and he's healthy enough to actually play and be effective at that point, all bets are off. So this is going to be very interesting down the stretch. The Jets are in many ways in a bad spot right now because they're four and five and they've got a lot of tough games left, but they are in a good spot in the sense that the AFC East has turned out to be nowhere near as tough as people were expecting. So if the Jets can just find a way to overcome shooting themselves in the foot over and over again, they might have a chance here. I hate saying that, Nick. I hate it because how many times can I have my hopes dashed before I finally give up? But to quote one of the greatest movie lines of all time, just when I thought it was out, the Bills pull me back in. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's <laughs> It's first off, it's a great line. It's an absolute great line. It's fantastic, and it really encompasses what the Jets have been Jets have been like uh, over the last decade or so for their fan base. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they are a sweep away of these next two games, a sweep of the Dolphins and 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 Bills, and a loss from the Dolphins this week against Vegas from actually being in first place in the division, even with back-to-back losses. Um, and quite frankly, if we're looking at the Bills based on what we've seen against Denver, this is a team that the Jets can beat. They can beat, and they can go into Buffalo and beat, more importantly. Um, so this is not just a, you know, oh, toss it, in, toss it in the river. There's no way they're beating this team. They've already beaten the Bills once this year. So they've shown that they can topple uh, Josh Allen even when he's at not his best. And, you know, we saw him at his best, and his best really hasn't been good enough so far this season. Uh, th- there's clearly a path here for the Jets to be able to succeed and win this division. They're going to need some help. They're going to need to play better than they have pretty much all season. Um, but, again, I, Aaron Rodgers, and I kind of mentioned it today, Aaron Rodgers has experienced this before, where the team has struggled uh, the offense has struggled. There's a lot of questions and concerns. Um, but he ends up finding a way to right the ship later in the year. You go on a late run, and that's how they get into the postseason. The Jets really haven't – their fan base hasn't experienced this. That's why when Aaron Rodgers really talks calmly about fixing the things that need to be fixed, he's not talking from a panicked perspective. He's talking from a simple, hey, I've done this before, and we're going to do it again. And maybe the Jets fans haven't experienced that, but it's clear that there's an opportunity for this organization uh, to end this drought. They're just going to have to play a hell of a lot better. Uh, particularly within the trenches, in order for that to happen. 
Nick Faria, who covers the Jets for AM New York. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the midweek news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. For those who want to check out your work over at AM New York and follow you on social media, how can they do that? Yeah, same as always on Twitter, Nick underscore Faria1720. Uh, we're going to be breaking down the Michael Carter news uh, shortly. We're going to have an article on that. We've already covered Aaron Rodgers' uh, conversation uh, today with Pat McAfee. Obviously said a lot of interesting stuff, so definitely uh, check it out. Make sure you follow Nick on social media and read his work over at AM New York. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome old 22 reviews on our channel. So watch them and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>